Hey, I'm Noble. Thanks for checking out the message today. I'm so thankful that you're here and we would love to connect with you. An easy way to do that is you can text River Connect one word to 97000. You can also go through our website and find out more about us and see what we have coming up. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church, you can text an amount to 84321 or you can go to the giving tab at the top of the page. I just want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Uh, We will be jumping into Isaiah 9-6. So if you want to open your Bible there, you can go ahead. Uh, We're going to be all over the place in the Bible. So... If you want to challenge yourself and try to keep up, um, by all means, go for it. Uh, but we will be jumping around. While, you, while you're going there, I want to uh, kind of recap last week. Uh, Pastor Justin kicked off the Expecting series here at the River Church. And I want to echo when Pastor Justin said, whoever came up with that idea of expecting, that that's a fantastic idea for a series around this time as in... Um, what we call in the, in the hip-hop genre a double entendre, meaning that it's something that it's a phrase or a saying that has two meanings, with expecting, being that Mary was expecting Jesus, and that the Jewish people were expecting their Messiah. Um, so I, I just wanted to echo Pastor Justin, and, and that is a phenomenal thing. But uh, Pastor Justin did a great job of kicking that off, Kind of, kind of showing uh, what the expectations was as the Messiah and how Jesus fulfilled that. And then also how Jesus fulfilled the prophecy as our wonderful counselor. So today, I want to get into the next name given to the Messiah there, which is Mighty God. So if you're in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you, uh, you be here with us. Uh, we, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for your word and for giving us an opportunity to come together and, and, and go through it. Uh, Father, we ask that you lead and you guide us as we go through this message, that you work in our hearts in a way that only you can. You deliver this message as a chore message. Uh, Father, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So mighty God, the word mighty here. Now, I can't believe I'm at the age where I have to say I might be dating myself when I say this. But when I think of mighty, I think back to the 80s with like, sculpted Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, lifting heavy stuff, right? Like, mighty. Or, like, uh, a sculpted Sylvester Stallone and Rocky just beating everybody up. Um, but I think of he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't the biggest, he, he, he was just mighty. Like, he had that, that heart, that grit, where he just dug in and, and he got it done. But Google defines mighty as possessing great and impressive power or strength. Now here in Isaiah, or all through, sorry, all throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that is used for mighty is gibor. Gibor, and it appears 159 times in the Old Testament. 
Now, they use the word mighty to talk about people. They use the word mighty to talk about armies or to talk about nations. But when Isaiah uses it here in chapter 9, verse 6, it hits a little different. It hits a little different. See, see in the Hebrew, when talking about God, you add the two letters E-L. Some, some of you might know the name Elohim from earlier on in the Old Testament. That E-L means God. So here in Isaiah, when we're, when we're looking at mighty God, the term used is El-Gibor, E-L-Gibor, meaning mighty God. So it hits a little different than all of the other instances. In Psalm 24, 8, the psalmist writes, Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. In Jeremiah 10, verse 6, says, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. The NIV says, Your name is mighty in power. To piggyback on last week, I want to show you today how Jesus fulfills this prophecy of mighty God. The first way I want to look at is how Jesus showed us his, he was mighty in power. Mighty in power. He shows us power over nature. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we see the story where Jesus supplies fish. Now, Jesus is out teaching, and he's, he, or he gets out on the boat. Now, this is right before he calls his first apostles. And he, he gets on the boat with Simon Peter and a few others, and he's, they sail out a little ways. Jesus starts teaching, and when he's done teaching, we pick up in, in, in verse 4, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now he's saying, let's sail out a little bit further and let's drop your nets in, let's catch some fish. And Simon Peter responds, Master, we've toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he did this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that the boats began to sink. When I read this, I instantly thought back to, uh, I have a brother who, I don't know what it is about when he casts a fishing pole out, but he always catches something. And we went fishing one time, and there was about four or five of us out there, and we're, we're standing on random spots around, around this lake. And after a couple hours, a few of us hadn't caught anything, and we decided we're going to move to other spots. So we start moving. Well, as we start moving, we watch my brother move from where he's at over to where one of us was standing, in his first cast, he brings in a fish. So I'm thinking, like, you know how frustrating that is? Like, you've been out there for hours, and you haven't caught nothing. And then as soon as, but I think of that here, like, like Peter's going, man, we've been out all night trying to catch fish. And Jesus is like, just, just drop your nets. I got this, right? So it shows he has power over the animals. He has power over the nature. 
Then we go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, and verses 35 through 41. This is where we see Jesus calm the storm. So we see that Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat, and all of a sudden the wind picks up and it starts storming, and the disciples start freaking out. And, and, and again, a personal story here to just kind of paint the picture of them, them going crazy. When I was a kid, uh, my, my oldest, younger brother, if that makes sense, um, was in a car seat. So this, you know, he, he was just a baby. Um, and if anybody's familiar with Holly, at Grange Hall Road and Saginaw Street, there's a Marathon gas station. And back in the 80s again, you had these big, heavy cars. So we're in this car, and my stepdad whips up into the gas station, and it's storming like crazy outside. I'm talking lightning, winds, rain where you can't see 10 feet in front of you. Um, And he pulls up to where the driver's door is right next to the entrance to the gas station. So all he has to do is jump out and go in. So he goes in the store, and it's like as soon as he goes in the store, all of a sudden, this car that we're in, I'm with my mom and my little brother, and this car starts shaking. And then, I, and then it lifts off the ground probably about two or three feet. And then it slams down and starts bouncing. And I just remember the look on my mom's face of just straight fear. And she's like, let's get out of here, right? And she starts freaking out. So I start freaking out because I'm just a little kid. Um, but anyways, we get out. We run into the gas station. I'm thinking I was in a car and we were freaking out. Imagine being out in the water where you don't have the ability to jump out and run into the gas station. And it's, the storm is going crazy, right? So they run, and they wake Jesus up, and they're like, Master, what are you doing? You're sleeping. So here in verse 39, we see Jesus. It says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It even goes on, if you go on in the next couple of verses, and it says that the disciples just sat there looking at him in bewilderment, saying, who is this man that even the wind and the waves listen to him? They obey him. Jesus has power over the nature. And I want to move on to power over disease. See, Jesus showed us he has power over animals. He has power over the weather, but he also has power over disease. In Matthew chapter 9, we see a story where a man comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is sick. Can you come heal her? So Jesus is on his way to go heal this girl. And then right in the middle of this story, there's another story added. In verse 20, it says, Behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him, him being Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was healed. The woman was made well. I was, putting this, I was putting this sermon together, and, and um, for whatever reason, whenever I'm, I'm in studies or I'm working, I always have to have some kind of ambience in the background. Um, 
So this particular day, I turned on the TV, and The Chosen was on. So I haven't watched a whole lot of The Chosen, but um, it was a new episode. It was on TV, so, so I turned it on, and it just so happened to be telling the story of this woman and The Chosen. Um, and it painted such an awesome picture where, where Jesus is on his way to this, this man's house, and, it, and, and as the Bible says, every time he went somewhere, he was just crowds and masses just flocked to him. And it shows this woman kind of fighting her way, throwing elbows and just pushing through. And, and she doesn't make it in time but she, to, to get to Jesus, but she falls in just enough time to touch the fringe or touch the tassel at the bottom of his, at the bottom of his garment. And Jesus turns and says, your faith has healed you. He has that power over that disease. We also see in John chapter 9, the story of, story of a blind man where Jesus is teaching and the blind man comes up and verse 6 says, having said these things, he being Jesus, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, then anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus heals the blind man. As far as disease, we could go on and on throughout the Gospels and see where Jesus is healing sick people. He healed, he healed the, the, the sick man at the pool. Uh, sorry, word just left my mind. But he healed the man who was by the... Uh, the pool, we see that in um, Matthew. Jesus also flexed his muscle over the demons. Jesus had power over demons. The Bible teaches us that, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, that we fight a spiritual battle, that we fight a spiritual warfare. So understanding that Jesus has the power over these demons, over these this spirits, that helps us in these battles. But we see in Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, Jesus and his disciples are sailing and they, across the Sea of Galilee, and they come upon the land, and they come across this man who was possessed. And, and we even see that these demons here in this story recognize Jesus as the mighty God. They, in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 31, it says, And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. These demons begged Jesus, do not send us into the abyss says in verse 32, Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. They said, don't send us into this abyss. Send us into these pigs. But this is where Jesus flexes, or it shows that Jesus flexes, because at the end of verse 32 it says, So he gave them permission. See, they, they can't just go without permission. Jesus has power over these demons. 
Jesus also has power over sin. Going back to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 2, in verses 3 through 12, we see a story where he heals a paralyzed man. And this is the, this is the paralyzed man who his friends carry him and they can't get to Jesus, so they go up on the roof and they lower him down through the hole in the roof. Picking up in, in verse 5 of Mark chapter 2, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, meaning the friends, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now when he said this, immediately the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were sitting around there instantly start questioning and, and saying, what kind of blasphemy did he just say? Did he just forgive, say this guy's sins were forgiven? Like, only God can do that, right? This guy is full of blasphemy. But Jesus knew what they were saying. In verse 8 it says, And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them. Jesus shows that he has power in his speech. Jesus shows that he has power over our sins. But it's not just his might and power. Jesus is also mighty in meekness. Now, meekness is kind of a, it's kind of a weird word. Uh, took me a minute to really get a grasp on it. Um, but Grand Canyon University defines meekness as strength under control. Strength under control. A controlled power. I was talking with... Uh, Somebody who I, I look up to, um, far more biblically mature than I am, um, but somebody that I always go to with questions, um, and, and we were talking, and he said, think of a pit bull. And at first, I'm like, wow, Jesus, pit bull? Like, weird comparison, but okay. Um, but then I started thinking, I had a pit bull when I was a kid, and Everybody says they're, you know, they're great family dogs, but then you have other people who say don't get pit bulls because they're, they're, they're just horrible. They're crazy. Like, their attitudes, and, and my pit bull, his name was Winston. And, and Winston, if you were in the house, when you were in the house, Winston would jump on your lap. He would lick your face. He was the biggest family lap dog that you would ever come across. But if we went outside... You couldn't get on my front porch if Winston was outside. I look at that as that controlled power. When we were inside the house, he knew that at any instant, he could tear one of us up, but he didn't. 
He controlled and he harnessed that power. Yes, I just made the comparison of Jesus to a pit bull. But in his meekness, in his meekness, he shows us his power over death. You see, in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, this is the story of Jesus' arrest. This is when Jesus is in the garden and, and Judas shows up with, with all of the people there to arrest Jesus. And Peter pulls out his sword and Jesus tells him, you know, put away your sword but in, in verse 53, Jesus says, Do you think I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? He's saying, Do you not think that at any moment in time I could get myself out of this situation? We see it when he's on the cross, and the Roman soldiers are mocking him, saying, If you truly are the Christ, get yourself down. And we know that Jesus could have. He tells us, do you not think I could call on my Father and he could make all of this disappear? But then he goes on in, in verse 54, it says, but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Jesus made the choice to control his power. He could have flexed on all of them there in that day. And... Uh, that he got crucified, the day that he got arrested. But he chose not to. He chose not to because he and only he held the power to secure our eternity. He was the only one who could pay that debt. And he knew that. He was born for that very reason. So what does that mean for us? Well, for us as believers, He is our mighty God. He is our Savior to secure our eternity. He is our mighty hero. He is the one who we can count on. This is a reminder of why we celebrate this child coming. For unto us a child is born. He was a mighty God born. That very day he was born, he was a mighty God. And Isaiah knew this hundreds of years in advance. He was the creator. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So right there, as they are creating, we see God say, Let us make man in our image. This is why Jesus was the one who fulfilled that, that prophecy, 
This is why Jesus was the mighty God. But if you're sitting here and you're not a believer in Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you might be going, this is, this is great information, um, but, but what does it mean for me? Like, like, it means all the same thing. You see, you see, really the difference between a believer and a non-believer is a decision. means that you have to make a choice. There's a choice for you to make. The choice is, do you accept Jesus as this Messiah, as this wonderful counselor, as this mighty God, or do you not? You see, the Bible tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. That we all sin, we all have these tendencies, and that Jesus, being the mighty God, was the only one who could secure our eternity and perfection. And it might seem a bit overwhelming as to how do I go about this? But the Bible gives us clear instructions in in Romans chapter 10 when it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It don't have to be difficult. One of my favorite movie quotes is from the movie God's Not Dead. And the pastor says, It's really simple, but it's not easy. I use that all the time, and I think it could be used here too. Jesus is mighty God. It's, It's really simple thought, but it's not easy to grasp. But I urge you, if you are sitting here and you don't know Jesus, then then make that choice today. Make that decision today before you leave here. When I, I'm going I'm to conclude here. I'm going to come to a close. But I, w- I want to close out with a quote from the Apostle Paul in which he references, in 1 Corinthians, he references an Old Testament prophet of Hosea. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verses 55 through 57, the Apostle Paul says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the victor. We can have victory in Jesus Because our Lord Jesus Christ is the mighty God. Again, I urge you, if you don't know Jesus as your mighty God, make that choice today. Make that choice today. Would you guys pray with me?